I think Mark's going to start, isn't he? <laughs> That's so kind. So Mark is an absolute legend, and I love him so much. And uh, uh, he's going to come up and read the Bible for us. Mark, thank you. Seamless, guys. Seamless. I love that. So this this passage is from First Col- uh, Colossians chapter one, and the the passage itself um, is just entitled "The Supremacy of the Son of God." So. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on heaven, on earth, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Back to you, Fairy. Thanks, Mike. Great. Um, I'd love to kick us up in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the uh, the breath in our lungs as we sang earlier and um, just the beautiful colours outside and for the people in this room. And I thank you that you go before us. And so, Father, I pray that your spirit would be near this morning, um, that wherever we're coming from, whatever we're bringing into this room, Lord, that... Um, you would take that and that you would give us your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's uh, absolutely wonderful to be with you this morning. Um, I absolutely love this church for five years. Um, for actually t- five years I was in Edinburgh and two years of those I was part of this church. This was home for me. And um, I recently went home and I don't know whether um, you feel the same way, but when you go home, you know when you can let your guard down completely, um, you kind of revert to being a child again. And um, this place for me, I don't, don't read too much into that, but um, <laughs> this place, I feel like I can completely be myself and know that I'm known and know that I'm loved. And uh, for so many of you, I see you as sisters and brothers. Uh, ben and Kate, I see you as my adopted parents. Um, you're not that old, but uh, <laughs> you're still my parents. And um, they are so, just the most encouraging people. So if you're visiting for the first time, uh, or even if you've just been part of this church since, since kind of day zero, um, you're so lucky. Um, and let me just tell you a quick story about Kate. So, <laughs> just because I've been embarrassed enough this morning, so uh, back to you. So, so back in March, a few of us had the privilege to go to the Vineyard Worship Retreat. Um, so the Vineyard Worship Retreat is essentially a place where guys who are involved in the Vineyard Church across the UK gather for a weekend. Uh, we sing songs to and about Jesus. Uh, we hang out, we learn about him. Um, and it's just an opportunity for us to spend time as a family, as a vineyard family together. And uh, Kate was driving me and another girl um, called Polly in this church. And we were just kind of, it was this long drive, beautiful through the borders, uh, down into England. I have no idea where we were going. And I was leading the directions at the time. So um, it was just really funny. But um, Kate is just, he's, she's just got a massive gift for encouraging people. I don't know if you've come across this, but she can speak a word into your life, and it is the most encouraging thing. Um, I've not really met many people who are like Kate in terms of like how, how 
joyful she is. Um, and at the time, I was going through a really exciting transition in my life. So I had left my job in Edinburgh working as an accountant slash auditor and was just about to step into um, hopefully a new role working for a peace and reconciliation charity um, down in Cumbria. And I remember Polly asking me, oh, can you tell me a bit about you know that change and what that's like? And I went off on this rant about how 2018 for me was a year of failure. I felt like exams didn't go my way. Um, I was part of a really long, dis like long term relationship that didn't work out. Um, so many things in just in that year were really difficult. And I, I talked about it and I described it as a year of failure. And, and Kate, in that moment, without dropping a beat, turns around and says, I would describe that as a year of courage. And so the, like, the story that we have of our years and the story that we have of our work really makes a difference. Um, and I love that so much. And I'm so grateful for the prayers and the encouragement that Ben and Kate and people in this room have given me. So over the last few weeks, Edinburgh Vineyard has been going through a teaching series on work and how we as Christians can have a renewed vision for our work. So today as we begin to like, continue to unpack that for us um, as followers of Jesus, I want us to think about what it means to be a good guest. So talking about following Jesus, for me, a really helpful framing for that is being a good guest of Jesus. We just read in Colossians 1 a story um, of who Jesus is and how in him everything is held together. That means everything belongs to him and that he has a plan for everything in his kingdom, including our work. He is host and we are guests. We join in with his work, not our own. So before I should go, like before I go on, I should say that I'm not talking about our jobs, I'm talking about our work. So our jobs is a little bit like the clothing that we put on. Our jobs is just a mask, it's, our, it's the personality for our work. So personality comes from the Latin word persona, which means a mask. It's what you put over what really is there. So a job could be a teacher. Your work is equipping and empowering the next generation. Your job might be a cleaner. Your work is actually bringing order and beauty. God's made us to work, and he's put in us a desire to work and create. So the desire that you're, for your work actually can't be taken away from you, whether you're currently in employment, whether you're self-employed, or whether you're not employed at all, because it's given to you by an infinitely loving God. So what is work for you? If your, job is, if your job is the mask for your work, what does work actually mean to you? So me, for me, like thinking what work is, is basically trying to understand the story of our work. You know how I said earlier, the story of 2018 for me was a year of failure. Kate called it a year of courage. That's what, for me, unpacking work is a little bit like. It's understanding the story that we have of our work. We're all part of a bigger story, and that one that says, this is who God is. He might be real, he might not be real. He could be kind, he might not be kind. A story that says, this is what the world is, and this is who I am made to be in it. So I'm, I'm so fortunate. Every day I uh, get to do my job in a beautiful 800-year-old castle in Cumbria. And my desk is right beside this window. And a lovely warm radiator. It is tough, I know. Um, and the window looks out to this beautiful garden. And it's full of greens, it's full of yellows and purples. And you know, if you sit where I sit every day, you can make out some of the trees swaying in the wind. You can see a few of the flowers hiding in the next section of the garden along. And if you look really closely in an opening in some of the bushes, you can see a bee house. Press your nose right up to that window and you'll see so much more. 
press your nose right up and you get a much larger spectrum, more colors, more life, and more context. So focusing in on work without taking a closer peek into the wider story of the world, how we see it as followers of Jesus, when you think about it, it's only a window's worth of colors. You see, I believe Jesus is interested in the everyday details of our lives because it all fits into his story for the world. In verse 16, we read, if you go back, that for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So today I want to talk about how work is an opportunity for us to follow Jesus rather than our own agenda. My friend Stuart Weir in his book, The Gifts of Work, says that whenever the word calling comes up in the stories of Jesus in the Bible, it's always in relation to following him. So you know how we talk about, you know, I'm called to this work or I'm called to that work. Actually what we're talking about when we talk about calling and what we know from what we read in the stories of Jesus is that whenever calling comes up, it's always in relation to following him rather than our ambition into work. Later on in the passage in Colossians, Paul describes himself as a servant. He says, you know, I am a servant of the gospel, the gospel being the good news that, like, God's story for the world. Um, our work is to follow Jesus, and one of the most powerful ways that I've understood what it means to be a good follower is by understanding what it means to be a good guest. So if you take anything from this talk today, it would be these three words. Be a guest. Be a guest of God's world not yours. Be a guest of his work, not yours. So here's God's invitation to you and to me. Be a guest. So for 30 seconds, I want you to turn to the person or people next to you and think about, for you, what makes a good guest. What makes a good guest? Fab, let's hear some ideas. So just, just shout it out. We're quite, we're quite a small room today. So what makes a good guest? Good chat. Good chat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, Nice. Bring the vino. Nice. What else? Gosh, Fee and Benji know how to be good guests. Respect. <laughs> Say that again. Respect. Okay. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. Good. 
empty the dishwasher. Yeah, nice. Bring flowers. Fantastic. What's, sorry, what was that? It's present. Oh, wow. Yeah, nice. Yeah. That leads me perfectly into what I was about to say. That's great. Thank you so much. Yeah. The Venus, like the red wine was close, but um, so like this morning, I want to give a, I want to give us three ways that we can be good guests. Learn God's story. Let God be host. And respond to God's invitation. Learn God's story. Getting to know your hosts is one of the most important and helpful things that we can do as a guest. So what makes a house a home is the guest. We get to know them through the food they serve, the music they play in the background, the collections and the colors they put out for show. What's more though is spending time with the host. You can really know your host story then. We are guests of God's world and therefore everything in it, including our work, belongs to him. So getting to know God means getting to know his story for the world and his story goes something like this. God is love. Although he didn't need us, he created us to enjoy the love that God the Father, God the Son, and the God Holy Spirit had throughout all eternity. And because he's good, everything he created was good, right? So a good creator only creates good things. And with each creative movement that we read in Genesis 1, so Genesis being the first book of the Bible, we read you know, that God created the heavens and the earth, the lights and dark, sky and surface, water and land and vegetation. And throughout each one of those creative movements, he looks back at his creation and he calls it good, except for one time when he creates humanity. He looks back over it all and he says, this is very good. So the brokenness and suffering that we experience in the world today, which can actually sometimes explain the frustration that we feel in work. You know, work is not easy. And no one's coming here, well, you know, generally sometimes like overjoyed with work. It can be really frustrating sometimes. But the frustration and the suffering that sometimes we experience in the world is a result of what we call sin, which I know isn't that helpful of a word. Today, there's so much connotation involved with sin, but a really helpful definition that I found for sin is by a guy called St. Augustine, and he called sin disordered love. So disordered love is when we put the priority for things that should be actually God's and our love for God before, you know, put our love for God after the things that we love for the world. So disordered love means putting the love for ourselves before God's love for the world. So if everything is created good and the suffering and frustration we feel in the world is just a distortion of good. So good and bad actually don't have equal power. So when our love for things is bigger than our love for God, we twist what is good by not giving it its appropriate place in God's story. So when do we put our love for ourselves before our love for God and work? How does this relate to work? Well, if everything is inherently good, then there's nowhere that we can go where God doesn't have a good plan for it. It's not that life is a split between what is Christian and non-Christian. We come to church on a Sunday and we categorize things sometimes in life between what's Christian, what's of faith, and what's not Christian, what's of work. Actually, our work has a place in his story because he has a plan to restore all of it. It's all good. It's all created by him. And it all belongs to him. So as followers of Jesus, we can take heart when we read in verse 20, that through him he will reconcile all things, whether things on earth or heaven, making, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. I don't know who was here about a year ago in this church, but we prayed 
to God for, to give us a blueprint for each of our work in this city, a plan of how we would see his kingdom, a plan to see the reality of the way that he intended work to be. That's such a powerful prayer, right? Like that his kingdom would come, that we would see his good plan for the world become a reality. But it can start small. It can start by saying, God, I'll be a guest in your world and not try to control the outcome. Not try to control the outcome leads me to my second suggestion of how we be good guests. So one is know God's story. And the second is let God be host. So in 2012, I went to Soul Survivor. And Soul Survivor is this massive summer festival where thousands of young people gather to worship Jesus, make new friends and have fun. And every morning and evening, they'd have these big tents where people would gather, and we would worship, we would hear stories from the Bible. And throughout the day, you have a choice of either like, you know, playing sport, you know, hanging out with your friends, or going to seminars. There's like these marquees that are set up, and each seminar has a theme, and you can go and choose which seminar you want to go to. So there was a seminar which was on worship, which I decided to go to. And at the start, they showed this five-minute clip of a guy called Tim Hughes. And Tim Hughes, if you know Tim Hughes, is an amazing worship leader in London. And he told the story of going into a church in London, and above the door, he noticed a sign. And the sign said this, you are now entering a place of worship. But the unique thing about this sign was that it was on the exit door. You are now entering a place of worship. So we were just led so beautifully by Graham, Fee, and Andrew. And actually, that's what we sometimes call like a time of worship in this church. And that's generally understood of singing songs to Jesus and about Jesus of love, praise, and thankfulness. And music is such a powerful way of worshiping Jesus. But I want us to go on a journey together of, how, of seeing how everything we do and everything we are is an opportunity for worship. So worship is about reframing things to their right order and identity. Remember what I said about like disordered love being what sin is? Worship is about reframing it. It's saying, God, you're God and I'm me, so I'm gonna lay down my self-centered agenda and follow you instead. It's saying, God, everything I have is by your grace because you're a God of love and I'm simply your guest. I'm your guest when I'm sleeping. I'm your guest when I'm breathing in and out the air that you've given me. And I'm a guest in every waking area of my life, including work. And if you're anything like me, you might actually find being a guest a bit awkward. Like, don't get me wrong, I love being invited around to friends' homes and sharing a meal with them and hanging out with them. And so many people in this room have been so generous with me in doing that. Being a guest can sometimes make us really aware of when we'd rather be host. Being in control, working away, than being served. Being a good guest means letting go of our need to earn what's already ours. I love this passage in Ephesians. It says this, For it is only through this wonderful grace that we believed in him. Nothing we could do could ever earn this salvation, for it was gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast for salvation which being kind of a lifeline, not being lost, but having a relationship with God, is never a reward for good works or human striving. We have become his poetry. Other translations say we've become his workmanship, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny 
and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Everything we have is a gift from him, and not because we were able to earn it. So actually, it can be tempting to make our workplace a place where we get a sense of our importance, our relevance, and our entitlement. You know when I said about our work and our job not necessarily being the same thing? Well, for a long time, I felt like my work had something to do with connecting people across divides and creating space for authentic conversation. So back in January, like I said, I decided to leave my job as an accountant here in Edinburgh to actually follow where I sense God was leading. And it was hard. When I came across an opportunity to work for a peace and reconciliation charity, I actually, you know, it matched up with what I sensed God was leading me into. Um, and even though it was an amazing circumstance to actually come across a work where, you know, it feels really aligned with the pattern that you see God has for you, um, a lot of that meant letting go, letting go of feeling entitled to a way of life, um, a way of thinking that was basically saying, you know, the only reason I got to where I was because, well, because of my strengths, rather than everything I do is a gift from God. I'm so grateful for uh, friends like Mark who came up earlier. And um, throughout all the changes that have happened in the last five, six years that I've known Mark, he always says to me the same words, your job is not your identity. Well, I've been in countless car rides with Mark. And um, I'd be worrying and stressing about different changes in life. And I'd make this thing called job and, and work so ultimate and make it like a bigger thing than it really is. Um, and having friends around you who just remind you who God is and remind you that your identity is not in your work is amazing. So being a good guest of God's work is choosing to let go of our need to prove ourselves and earn what is already ours. In the stories in the Bible, we read of Jesus being tempted by Satan in the desert. He tempts Jesus with three things. To be relevant. Satan turns to Jesus and says, if you're the son of God, turn these stones to bread. To be spectacular. He takes him to the high temple and he says, throw yourself down and the angels will catch you. To be powerful. He says, I'll give you all of these kingdoms if you bow down to me. And sometimes our work can be tempting to make it into a place where we actually feel like we need to be relevant, to be spectacular, to be powerful. But work is actually about stepping into someone else's story, not our own, and not the pressure of creating our own. This is a bit like a nativity play at Christmas, and I love how sometimes they like fit in the most random characters. Um, like... I've been to nativity plays where people have been like sheep number three, and like that is that is amazing. But actually, that's sometimes a really good image of what it's like to be in God's world, where sometimes we play our bit, which is like really tiny, and God's the playwright, and He weaves like all of it together. And it's better when we let God just be God. It's better when we let Him host. So, are we more comfortable being guest or being host? Are we more comfortable being hosts, essentially in control, feeling like we're in control, or being guests, beginning of a pl from a place of receiving a freely given gift? So let him be host. And finally, respond to God's invitation and learn from the ultimate guest. You know, in church, we can be pretty good at inviting people in, and we celebrate it. I love to see new people in church. I love to see new people encounter Jesus. I want us to equally learn what it means to be good guests. 
you know, when we're hosts, we can be in control a lot of it. We know the boundaries, we know the environment, we know the rules that we're in. We know the expectations. When we're guests, we're letting go of our need to be in control of that and actually enter someone else's life. One thing I find amazing about Jesus and his stories is that he came into the world something totally different against all expectation. So at the time of Jesus, there were four different facts of Jews. Some people believed that the Messiah, the savior of the world, the person who was gonna save the nation of Israel, was gonna come as a warrior to overthrow the Roman Empire. Some people believed that if we just followed the laws of Moses, that actually the Messiah and the Savior would come. Others believed in actually completely taking themselves out of the culture, being in a completely different environment, being separate and not touching what they felt was unholy, not actually being in the world at all. And some others actually just felt like just keeping the status quo, being totally fine with what was happening. Let's just keep the peace, keep calm and carry on. Jesus comes into the world as a guest, not a host. He comes into the world in the form of a baby, the most vulnerable being, and he chooses to live life as one of us. He chose to be a guest of his own creation as the most vulnerable king, a baby in the care of teenage refugee parents, and most likely worked as a stonemason for 30 years before emerging in the scene as someone remotely resembling the Son of God. He has a story, and we are guests of his story, not our own. So the way we understand and relate to his story for the world can help us think about how we relate to work and so much more. He is the ultimate guest. Jesus' other name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. He shows us what it means to have a relationship with God by seeing and doing only what the Father is doing. And he loves you and he loves me enough to step right into the messiness of the world, not as a warrior who overthrows everything, but as a baby, as a servant, as a guest, and he conquers the thing in life that we call certain death, and he rises as king. He's a king, and we believe he's a good king. He's a creator. Like I said, he's a good creator. So what we call our work is actually an invitation to be a guest of the wonderful work that God is doing and inviting us into. So it's Sunday, and tomorrow is Monday. So wherever Monday morning takes you, know that God already has a story and a blueprint for your place of work. And the invitation is to follow Holy Spirit who goes before you. It's uncontrollable. That's part of what being a guest is, involves, uncertainty. So let God be host. We take comfort in knowing that the God who created all entered our messiness as a guest and laid down his life for us and is now king over it all. So let's be guests of God's work. I love this prayer by John Stott. I'll just read it out and then um, we'll just pray to, to close this morning. So we respond to your invitation, O oh God. As we are, we come. We offer you the hostilities that shape us, the hostilities that we carry, the hostilities that carry us. In these matters, move us from hostility to hospitality. Be our God for we guard ourselves too much. Be our protector, that we need not overprotect ourselves. Creating us a space, a room, a place, a free and friendly space where the stranger may be welcomed. That we may be home in our own house. That we may be healed of hurts we carry in the soul. 
that we may know brother and sisterhood, that we may know kindness, that we may laugh easily, that we may know beauty. Nudge, guide, entice, and prod. Move us to live within your will. To the end that, to the end that within this flesh, within this house in which we live, we may be at home with you, with our neighbor and with ourselves. And thus we pray, remembering Christ who says, I stand at the door and knock, creating us a place of hospitality. Amen. Let's just pray.